Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. My guest today has achieved outstanding success in motorsport. She also studied law at UWA and is currently on a sports scholarship. In recognition of her achievements, Laura Burns was chosen as a finalist in the 2021 Seven News Young Achiever Awards WA in the Surge Fitness Sports Award. It's great to have you on the podcast today, Laura. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. You are uh, outstanding and motorsport is really tough. It's, um, it's dangerous. I know it's very competitive and uh, it's also male-dominated. So really, really excited when young women take the challenge and, and succeed. I mean, it's not all about being successful, but it's about having a go. So congratulations to you. You've had a driving passion, excuse the pun, for motorsport since you were 10. What led you down that path? So I'm actually the, the first in my family to race, which is quite unusual within the motorsport family. Um, but basically, Dad's always been into motorbikes. So I think I had my first motorbike when I was maybe five or six, but he wouldn't let me race it or anything like that in motocross. And um, we just used to go to our local speedway in Kalgoorlie. And one day on the PA system, while I was sitting in the back of the ute with Dad, they announced he could be 10 to start racing. And so I turned to him, um, much to his uh, dislike, and said, I want to race cars. So it took about a year um, of me convincing him and him trying to unconvince me. It took me to go-karts to try and get into that as well because um, that's a, a bit bit cheaper and obviously it takes up less room than a, a full-blown race car. But um, I couldn't be persuaded and had my first car at 11 and haven't looked back since. So most people officially start learning to drive when they're 16, 17, 18 or so on. Some leave it till much later yeah. because they're too scared. But at uh, 10, 11 years old, you're starting to drive cars. Yeah. And, not and a manual. <laughs> and a manual. And uh, could you reach the pedals at that stage? No, so um, a funny story. I actually learned to drive in a Toyota PC troop carrier, like those big, big cars, yeah. and I was sitting on a bag of fertiliser to try and, like, see over the steering wheel and reach the pedals. But on my first race car, I actually had really big blocks on the pedals about that big. So, um, yeah, I couldn't reach the pedals. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You know, you sort of uh, picture this little kid peering through the bottom of the steering wheel trying to see, yeah. I mean, the power of will. You know, they say there is a way. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. And it's a male-dominated sport, as I said. How hard was it to get a start in motorsport and to get where you are today? Um, I think for 
the most part, you know, or in the particular type of racing I do, Speedway, um, most people are quite accepting of it. Um, I have had even recently um, run-ins with people where they'll be like, oh, you know, you're only successful because you are a female and it's sort of that novelty aspect. But it's like, no, actually, I've been driving for 15 years. Like I've been putting a lot of time and money into into what I'm doing and to get the developments of of where I am in the car and I guess physically as well with um with training. So, um, yeah, I think some people, if if they are sort of negative towards women in motorsport, it's more um, uh, for lack of a better word, ignorance that they don't realise how much actually goes into things behind the scenes. Um even within like marketing aspects and things like that and the rise of social media to um to market yourself. There are definitely things um perhaps the older generation don't necessarily capitalise on as much, like the real older long-term races, um, because it hasn't been around forever. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, keeping your head up, surrounding yourselves by people that um appreciate what you do and understand the hard work. And reality is is there's a lot more women now in motorsports. So um it's it's great and we're all really, really quite close. So it's very good. Yeah, well, I think some good advice in all that too. Uh keep your head up regardless. You know, uh I get terribly sad as we all do when people take their lives due to suicide. Yeah. And if only we could convince these people or get a chance to tell them that things change. What yeah. is today is different tomorrow. And if you don't win a race or things don't work out today, then tomorrow is a you know a new day. That's so it. I I really respect and admire what you just said. And I think there's a lot in that for everybody. You are a late models motorsport competitor in speedway motorsport, which does sound pretty intense. Can you tell us about late model motorsport, the training you just mentioned, and what's involved in the build-up to a race meet? Yeah, so late models, um, if you haven't heard of them, because obviously there's a wide range of disciplines in motorsport, but we're on uh, oval track, dirt track. So we basically go around in a circle as fast as we can. Um, Late models can reach um, around about 150 down on the straights before we go sideways into the corner. And I realise I'm doing lots of hand actions. That's a race car driver thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Our um, listeners can't see, but I'm enjoying the hand motions. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so the, these things are, are basically flying down the straight before we um, we go sideways into the corner. And um, the cars themselves are about um, five meters long, three meters wide. And so, for those that have seen me before, I'm I'm very petite. I'm only 150 centimeters tall. So it is a, a bit of a novelty when I um, when I drive back into the into the pits, and then a really small girl comes out of this very large car. So um, I, I love it because lots of kids then compare their height to mine. But um, yeah, so that's that's basically what the cars are. Um, the cars themselves they have a chassis um, which is purpose built and. We, we have to buy them from overseas um, and then everything else is just aluminium strapped on. So there really is nothing to these cars. They only weigh about a ton. Everything is just to, to get us aerodynamic, basically flying through through the corners. Um, I like to wow. think of them as low-speed aircrafts. Um. <laughs> That's when you watch and you look at these cars flying down a dirt road track and they're just spinning sideways or just hanging or drifting. Yeah. Uh, you, you have the utmost admiration 
for the ability to control those vehicles. So that is, is, is really cool. What about the training? What goes into your training regime? Yeah, so pretty much as you mentioned, like the control of them is um, is key. So for me, um, I I only started in late models last year, so I only just finished my first full season, and I realised pretty quickly how fit you need to be to be able to turn these cars. Um, although we don't turn very much um, because the car is able to do a lot of it itself, you're wrestling with a really fast car, so you need to be able to pull it up when when things go a bit sideways. So for me, I do strength training um, three times a week and I've got my own um, home gym here as well just in case we go on lockdown Um, but the core thing has been arm strength so I've been really lucky to work with um, a place called Revolve Health with exercise physiologists and um, they have taken everything into account that I need um, as a motorsport driver uh, to be able to yeah wrestle with this car and have the stamina to be able to do um, 30 lap feature races because they can go for even half an hour if we've got stoppages and things like that. So it's sort of you need that explosive energy behind you, but then the reality that that's potentially going to be 30 minutes of just this full blown adrenaline explosive energy. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's so much adrenaline and pumping, I imagine, during the uh, race. Yeah, yep. It's hard to imagine the heart rate must uh, go up through the roof. I actually had a funny moment one time um, with the Apple Watch because with them you can set the parameters for if you're potentially having a heart attack. Um, And I was sitting on the dummy grid one time, which is where we wait to go out onto the track, and my Apple Watch started going off and I was like, what's this? Like someone sending me messages. I checked it and it was like, are you having a heart attack? It's like, no, I'm just really nervous. (laughs) But my heart rate was that high. So I think. As spectators of any sport, we forget that competitors still get really nervous. doesn't matter what level you are and how long you've been in a sport. So it's really important to be reminded that you're only humans and you're taking on super challenges that we may not think is even humanly possible, but you're out there doing it and uh, the heart races and you get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the same. So. I reckon that's pretty cool. What? Uh, how much practice do you actually get out on the track or simulating being on the track? So not actually that much. Um, generally, practice sessions are held the week prior to the actual race day. Um, so that's great because it means we can test setups and um, things like that, different tyres. But that's kind of it. If you're wanting track time outside of that, you generally will need to hire a track and that gets quite uh, expensive as you can probably imagine. So it is really limited. I did try with a racing simulator um, last year, but for me, I personally found that it wasn't the right responsive for actually driving and being so new into late models, I didn't want to confuse my driving styles of how to race on a simulator versus racing in in real life. So, um, yeah, everything else is pretty much just focusing on on the fitness side of things and, and hoping that will be enough um, for when we actually get on the track. A lot of it would definitely come down to training, to being ready, your mindset. Uh, how much do you think natural ability is important? I think a, a fair bit, and if not necessarily 
you know, it's something you can train to do, but there's some aspects of racing that you either are going to get it or you're not. And late models is definitely one of those sports that um, you need to, you either get it or you don't. And lots of people drop off after their first years because of it. I think the biggest thing that, that people struggle with is the ability to adapt. So, you know, you can, you can have a look at the track and set your car up for what it looks like. But if you're doing a 30, 40 lap event, that track's going to deteriorate. So you need to adjust your mindset and your, how you're driving to the track conditions. And some people like, no, I only want to do a low line, but if everyone's on the low line, you need to move up the track and race higher. And some people really struggle with that. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm quite lucky that I, I'm just like, whatever goes, I'm going to do it. So if that means going super high and trying to make my own line out there, then then I'm going to do it. So, yeah, it's um, there's a lot a lot of the mind is um, is the core thing, I think, in racing. Yeah, you have to have a mind of steel or aluminium, as the case yeah. may be. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's a lot of it too, just have that mental capacity to overcome fear mm. and understand or believe in yourself to the point where you know you can do it. And it sounds like going up higher, if it makes sense, is more dangerous or risky. 100%, yep. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a, um, a really solid uh, concrete wall. So um, if you hit that, you, you're going to get a fair bit of damage. But I like to think of it as if that you are higher at the wall, the impact is going to be less than if you're on a low line coming up to the wall because you're increasing your speed. So <laughs> well, definitely, it's uh, the madness. Yeah, yeah, positive way to think about yeah. it. <laughs> and despite being in only your first season, I believe you were named the Rookie of the Year for the uh, Pro Dirt Series. Yeah, so that was that was a bit of a surprise. Um, we were hoping that um, we were just able to do as many rounds as we could for my first season. And, um, yeah, by doing that, we ended up, you know, well, I ended up getting getting better. We ended up working better as a team and understanding a lot more of what goes into the car. And, yeah, so I picked up Rookie of the Year, um, which was really, really special. I think that was eight of us that were, were brand new to the sport. So um, really proud to take that honour. Yeah, that's a great achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. How did you actually go in the overall competition? So there was about 36 of us that competed overall in Western Australia. And I'm stoked to say that I was top 10 uh, in both the Pro Dirt Series and the Perth Motorplex Track Championship. So um, I was hoping for a top 15, so a top 10 is even better. And um, maybe next year I'll be able to jump in for a top five, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're new to the sport and I guess it's about making your way up. That, come, that will come with experience. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and knowledge of what to do when and how to do it, I guess. So, yeah, all power to you. And that's, of course, why you became a finalist because you're an amazing young woman in all aspects of your life, in your work, in your study, in your motorsport. You're a high achiever, a great role model for anybody, particularly young women who want to get into a sport that may be male-dominated, not to fear but to get in there and have a go. So, uh, again, all power to you. You are extraordinary. We're so blessed to have been able to meet you in person, but oh, also <laughs> to have people like yourself being put forward that maybe in other than motorsport, 
you may not get that chance to be acknowledged across a broader uh, community platform. And there are different types of racing tracks, aren't there? And you do different, and, and do different cars perform better in certain conditions? Uh, yeah, so for us in late models, um, we kind of combine two divisions which are called uh, crate late models, which we have a limited capacity in our engine. Um, they're a 525 um, crate engine basically and we get them straight out of America. And then we've got the more open engine, so they're, um, you know, they can go up to eight, 800. Um, so sometimes we outperform those motors, which is awesome because it's kind of like we're, we're the cheap engines. Um, but then other times, like if the track is um, really slicked off, they're, they're going to be a lot better. So that's why it's so great. It just depends on the track conditions of, of where we're going to end up. Um, but at the same time, the crate engines are, are really, really affordable for starting in the sport because it is quite expensive and it's all I need at the moment while I'm learning. If it's wet... Do you still race or how does that impact the race? So if it's raining, we can't race um, because yep. our, our cabs are completely open. We don't have windows or anything like that. Um, and even, you know, a small amount of water can make the track really slippery and we get absolutely no grip. So, um, yeah. yeah, if it rains, no. But generally the track's always um, quite moist and the top layer of the track will be, like, tacky. And so that's that's what makes it um, really good for us with grip and things like that. But yeah, towards the end of the night, all the moisture is generally out and um, it's what we call a black track, which is pretty much the same as, um, as concrete. It's yeah. quite special to race on all the different conditions. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I've, try, I've been trying to reframe from asking this question because it's probably really dumb, but I've got to ask, right, what does late model mean? You'd sort of immediately think, oh, you know, it's a 19, uh, a 2021 model or a 2020, it's, you know, only one year old. What does actually late model so I, I've been asked this before as well, and I don't have a great definition for why that's what they've called us, um, but I think it's to do with, um, so in other sports, generally your car needs to be a minimum of 15 years old, but in late models, pretty much there'll be cars that are made this year and we can race them right away. But in terms of late models, it doesn't really make sense because we're, we're a chassis car, like it's not something you can go down to your local dealership, strip out and turn into a race car like it's a purpose-built car. But, um, yeah, I think it's just because as soon as they're made, you can start racing them, yeah. Okay, well, I don't feel so bad yeah. <laughs> And maybe others. Yeah, the history of our cars is, is America, so everything that they do we've basically pulled across here in Australia so, um, yeah, next yeah. time I'm over there, I'll, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, let me know. Uh, I'm still fascinated by uh, how, why. Well, I think that's um, it's pretty amazing. And you sort of think of a limo too, five metres long. It's pretty big. Yeah. But it's yeah. open. So I imagine it doesn't have the same comforts as a limo and you probably don't have the champagne <laughs> and crystal glasses in the back. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so how comfortable or uncomfortable when you're racing around the track is it? So what we have is is kind of like a little pod in the car um, and these are a left-hand drive as well rather than right-hand drive. So that just helps the car with the setup when it's going into the corner for weight distribution, again, also because they're American. 
but yeah, it's like this little pod. So for me, it's quite quite nice um, because I'm quite small. But for the for the bigger guys, it's um, it's very cozy. But you know, we're we're in a full containment seat, so that keeps your head um, and everything like that really really straight. That we're only looking forward, um, and a five point harness system, so your seat belts, um, so you you really can't wiggle around or anything. And um, yeah, I think it's quite comfortable. There's been a few times where I've been waiting to go out on the track, being like, I'm nice and snug. I could have a little nap here, <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously on the track there's no napping allowed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite good. I, I feel quite safe in it. Do you have a, a roll bar cage or, you know, the supports around you or in case you roll? Yeah, so pretty much the, the chassis doubles as our, our roll cage and, um, yeah, that is all around us. So if we were to flip or if a car were to land on top of us, we're, we're really quite safe. Um, on my car, uh, because I also struggled with um, the weight, so the cars need to be a certain weight, um, I've got a little bit of room to play with with that. So what we've actually done is put a full steel uh, anti-protrusion bar on my um, left-hand side. And so that is, um, that's protecting me even further. So if a car were to come in sideways or something spear off, it's not going to get me. Oh, cool. That's good. That um, makes sense. Does everybody have that or not everybody? No. So um, a lot of people, um, yeah, obviously try and make the cars as light as possible so they don't yeah. necessarily have that to play with. Um, in America on some tracks it's compulsory, but it's not compulsory here yet. Um, I just like being super safe as well. <laughs> Only got that one life and I like doing the risky things, so may as well do the risky things safely. Oh, makes good sense to me. <laughs> Something in there for everybody, I think. Where have you raced? Uh, what's your favourite track and have you been interstate racing? So favourite track, I reckon, is Perth Motorplex. Um, I would say that's the best purpose-built facility we have in Australia for motorsport because it combines um, the drags, speedway motorsport and um, flat track bikes. So it's really, really special that we've got all of that um, and the track's always beauti- beautifully re- um, prepared. Um, but, yeah, I have raced interstate um I've uh, been to South Australia um, at Murray Bridge Speedway, so that was back in junior sedans. But um, hoping when the borders ease, we might be able to do some exploring in the late model and, and try a few more tracks over east. Awesome. Yeah, well, it'll be nice to, with the situation with COVID making it be difficult, but it's nice when that's all behind us and yeah. people like yourself and all sports will be able to compete again interstate and internationally of course too for those that do that what are your racing aspirations I guess the long term for me is I really would like to race in America um but obviously that again is all up in the air with with COVID but that that's my long long term goal that um I'd like to head over there even if it's one year just to crew first and then um over there to to race full-time um there's so many different tracks that you can race at and you can pretty much race like every day of the week just being able to jump onto them would be would be awesome so yeah it would be extraordinary, great experience. Yeah. And it's good to dream. It's good to have aspirations and yeah. goals. Well, in addition to your successes in motorsport, you are committed to give back. You're involved with the Australian motorsport news behind the sport. And you also contribute to Women in Sport WA. What roles there? What, what does that entail? 
So at the moment, um, I'm contributing articles, but because of uh, winter and rain outs, there hasn't been many um, at the moment. But yeah, that's that's my long-term plans for this year, um, to get more coverage of women in motorsport on these great platforms. So um, yeah, Behind the Sport is... Um, is Australia-wide, and, and so that's a great avenue for more women in motorsport to, to get that um, that coverage because, yeah, the major outlets, obviously motorsport is only a very small component of um, major news, and, uh, yeah, for us at a local level, it doesn't, uh, doesn't tend to make it. Yeah, really passionate about getting more of us out there, um, in particular the next generation, so the junior drivers, the under-15s, getting them as much exposure as they can in the hope that that helps them continue in the sport and maybe get into late models as well. Is there any of the motorsport, uh, particularly late models, on television, uh, Fox Sports or anything? How do people get to watch it? So um, they do, there's streaming platforms that you can um, join up like Dirt Vision and you can watch the racing there and then. Um, You know, you don't have to come to Speedway, you can watch it from home. But sometimes as well, uh, we are on the telly, like the Perth Motorplex. I can't remember what channel it is, but yeah, Perth Motorplex generally has some recaps up there. A lot of that is sprint cars though, but um, yeah, every now and then we do get a a bit of a, a mention, which is awesome, so yeah. Fantastic. And nicely played there, deliberately or otherwise, in terms of not remembering what channel, because, of course, we are supported by Channel 7. So if it wasn't Channel 7, it's good just to forget uh, deliberately yeah. or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we are thankful to 7 for all their support for mm-hmm. our programs. You're also a uh, Give Back Buyer Committee member for the Junior Sedan Racing Association, and you're a woman uh, of Australian Motorsport Committee member as well, and you run the Junior Driver Development Program. Can you tell us about all of those? So um, I'm past members of it um, because the uh, Women of Australian Motorsport's no longer around. It switched to a tribunal, but um, I'm really grateful to have been part of both of them. Um, yeah, when I stepped out of juniors, I was able to jump into JSRA as their publicity officers. So that was really awesome to be able to give back uh, a lot of the knowledge that I'd gained to the next generation. Um, and I still do keep in touch with the club for, for when they need some help. Um, I always like to make myself available. But, um, yeah, Women of Australian Motorsport, I was really lucky to be able to work with lots of young girls, particularly in karting. Um, and, yeah, we, we had a, a junior development program that we did each year. That was exceptional to be able to put these girls through it, and a lot of them are, are quite big names now in um, in Australian motorsports. So, really proud that we we're able to to help them on their journey and and help them chase their goals. Fantastic! I imagine you would be very supportive of others, and a real inspiration in what you do as well. Of course, you talked about uh, being a little pocket rocket at 150 centimeters tall and driving that five-metre-long car. It's hard to imagine this tiny 150-centimetre person, this huge open vehicle. And I know that must be a little scary, but how hard is it or how hard isn't it at your size to be able to compete competitively in a sport like uh, late model motorsport? So for the most part, it's it's pretty good. Um like a lot of the things on the car were we were able to adjust, which is great. I'm lucky that I fit in um, like 
child sizes still. So it means that the gear we have, it, it really fits us. For example, my, my seat um, is, is a child seat. But at the same time, um, it does make it quite difficult because um, not a lot of things as well are made for women. So it's sort of getting that fine balance between um, yeah, what, what you need versus what your body can fit. And there's only been a couple of times where I've sort of um, got a little bit down about not being the right size for the sport. I, I don't like saying that because it is so accommodating. But, you know, there'll be some things like at the moment struggling a little bit with the, the gears. So we, we weren't able to move where the gears are in the car. So we had these quite long extenders for it. So if a car spins in front, generally we'll have to spin out as a result. But for me, my gears then stick and I can't get out of out of gear because I can't reach them properly. So it it's things like that that um it, it does make it a bit hard. But reality is is there's always some sort of workaround. And so this this season or in the off season at the moment, we're working on um, developments in the gear stick so we don't have that kind of issue again. And just changing position of the pedals again, um, so it's more comfortable for me and, and my short legs. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the beauty of these cars is they are they are flexible for for what your size is. Um, for example, the guy that had this car before me was probably like 180 centimeters or something. He's like a, a giant. I don't even know if that's tall, but he was very tall. So yeah, it is good that they are all flexible. Um, yeah, I just think sometimes uh, what we have in Australia needs a little bit of little bit little bit of work um, in terms of sizing, not only for women but um, yeah, small women in the sport. Well, I think it's um, it's wonderful that you're saying that cars can be made to fit and all that type of stuff. But what I'm hearing, to be honest, is that people like you don't use excuses. You are proud of who you are, what you do, and you don't make excuses. You go out there and you give it a go. That's what I'm hearing, and I think yeah. that is a lesson for everybody. Don't look at the negatives. Look at the positives of what you can achieve. Don't let circumstances, uh, disability or anything at else, your height, your weight, your you know whatever it is, uh, weigh you down. Give it a go and love it for what you're able to achieve. And, I think and, on that as well, like, um, so I, I kind of got into the sport because I needed something that it didn't matter your size. And yeah. so that was why motorsport was great because, you know, all kids are, are quite small. Um, so seeing these these kids in these big cars, I was like, well, that's going to keep me safe and it doesn't matter my height. And my dad always used to say to me, you know, once you're strapped into that race car, you're the same as everyone else. And that's definitely carried through with me um, in my journey in motorsport. And yet, like you said, you know, everything I like to think is everything is adaptable. So if something works for someone else, but doesn't work for me, then we just need to do some development to make it work. So yeah, uh, I've even seen, um, there was a gentleman a few years ago in Kalgoorlie, he only had one leg and he was able to get that car adapted to what he needs to have hand controls. So, yeah, the biggest enemy to yourself in motorsport or biggest enemy in motorsport is yourself, I think, um, that, yeah, there's always workarounds to do things. If, if you want to jump into it, you can. Yeah, self-belief. And don't make excuses. I think when we make excuses, we don't learn because yeah. we're uh, – negating that ability to think and to learn by making excuses for why something went wrong. It's someone else's fault. It's the car's fault. 
whatever, but it's not our fault, you know, or we just need to be true to ourselves and be the best version of ourselves within our capacity. We're not all going to be the very best or win every single race. And success doesn't come by chance on most occasions. I know you train really hard. What type of training regime, how many hours you talked about uh, going to the gym or weight training three times a week, what else is involved? So the biggest chunk of my time is actually probably spent in the workshop um, on the car. So between races, there's always things to be doing. Um, We literally have to check over the whole car because it's put through so much um, on on the racetrack. And so that's doubled if it's a week where I have practice. Um, You know, even cleaning the car can take two hours at some times um, because there's, there's so many bits to it. It's been great for me because I've I've been able to learn a lot more about the mechanical side of things because I work with my dad. It's it's great because we've got this this extra bonding time and I guess that's why we jumped in the sport in the first place because we got to hang out. Um, now he probably sees a bit too much much of me, but um, <laughs> we've got this awesome car to work on. But yeah, that's pretty much what what takes up most of my time. Um, yeah, physical training. I'll do hour sessions for that. But then, yeah, rest of the times in the workshop, weekends are spent in the workshop. So, yeah, not much to my life. It's just cars. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense and such a commitment. And I guess we probably don't always think about motorsport requiring so much of our time in maintenance, repairs and maintenance to get the vehicle right. It is one of those sports when you're so reliant on machinery. Yep. There are many sports where reliant on our own ability, whereas you're not just reliant on your own ability. There's a lot, can, there's a lot that can go wrong that's out of your control. Yep. So it's good to remember that, uh, you know, in terms of these types of things, it's not just the driver's ability. It's a lot of luck and probably as much the ability to be able to fund repairs and things too. So sponsors, do you have sponsors that that help you out? I do. I'm very lucky to have um, quite a a good good group of sponsors and um, the core of them have actually been with me from the early days. So there's two that have stuck with me from juniors all the way now into into late models. Um, that's Core Cotton Downey and Wilshire Engineering. So um, I'm really appreciative to have that kind of backing behind me. And we've had a few more jump on um, for the upcoming season, so I can't mention them yet because the announcements are coming soon. But, um, yeah, things like that certainly help. And even if it is product support, there's quite a few um, that, that, yeah, it's product support. And, and that then means that we can reinvest those funds somewhere else so yeah, that's I wouldn't be able to race at this level without without the support that I have through my marketing partners. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sponsors are so important. We only we know that only too well. And of course, through these COVID times, it's really, really hard. We're really struggling to um, you know maintain the integrity of our programs as uh, much as people want to stay on board, sometimes it gets tough. Yeah. So big shout out to the sponsors. Uh, any sponsors of any sport or um, any programs. Now, intense training and competition can really take its toll, as I'm sure it does, for you, mind and body. What's your recovery strategy? So I generally um, 
like to not really do anything the next day um, because, yeah, it is it is tough and you're right about the mental side of things as well. So I mentioned before a feature race can take um, half an hour and so that's half an hour of trying to stay in the zone of no distractions and things like that. Um, and I, I've, I've been guilty of breaking that sometimes as well. You know, I'll be halfway through a corner and be like, what will I have for dinner after this? And you, you can't, you can't do that. No. <laughs> you can't break that concentration. So for me, yeah, next day um, is usually just, just relaxing. Um, sometimes I might go back and watch some of the, the race videos from, from the night prior. Um, but yeah, otherwise usually radox baths, plenty of, of carbs to refuel me from the night before. And um, yeah, just kind of veg and watch telly. I don't train the next day either. I like to just spend it all as recovery. Sounds pretty necessary. Yeah. Uh, hey, I meant to ask for us older folk, how tall in feet and inches is 150 centimetres? Uh, so it's four foot 11. Four foot eleven. Well, my wife's five foot. <laughs> my wife's five foot even, and some people say to her, "But you're quite short." And I think, "Oh, I never really thought about it." Yeah. To me, uh, she is stands tall. Yeah. And I achieves. Like that. Yeah, and I've never really thought about it until someone mentions. It. I don't know why people need to mention it, but um, yeah. to learn and grow and be successful uh, must come face to face with failure. How do you deal with it? What lessons have you learned along the journey that have helped you cope and grow? So, yeah, I feel like you need to have some um, some bad failures to be able to grow, and I've certainly had my fair share of them. The biggest piece of advice I can probably offer is to not dwell on things too much. It's really easy to sort of get stuck in a rut and keep replaying things over and over again that, you know, if I did this, if I did that, but reality is, is you've already chosen what what you did, you've done it, and you need to now build on that moving forward. Um, you can't be stuck in the past thinking, oh, if you didn't wake up that day and just stayed in bed, it wouldn't have happened either. But, um, yeah, you've gone out, you've raced, this has happened, work on it for next time so it doesn't happen again. And Yeah, I know for me I had a, a pretty bad crash in 2011 that I struggled to get out of that rut. Um, and I actually, um, yeah, it was the worst crash that I've had and that took me a bit of time. So I think as well just being patient with yourself um, because no matter what it is, not just racing, but, yeah, some some things take time to bounce back from. So be gentle with yourself as you're going through that and just know tomorrow's a new day and you get to try it all again. I like that. Be patient with yourself. Be gentle uh, on yourself. I think often we are patient and gentle with others but we forget to do that for ourselves yeah yeah we are our own worst critics yeah way too often so i think that's great advice now, i'm sure you go through many ups and downs both during your career personally and in course in your motorsport how do you stay motivated stay strong and bounce back from the low moments I think um, for me, I'm really lucky, again, that I work so close with my dad. He's a really good sounding board and, um, you know, while we're spinning spanners in the shed, we just sort of have DNM moments and things like that. So it's great to be able to share what's going through your head. Obviously, if you don't have um, that kind of connection, reaching out, um, you know, whether that's through a counsellor, a psychologist or, or a good friend, um, 
I'm also a really big fan of journaling. So if I get stuck on something and I can't get it out of my head, I like to write it down. And generally after I've done that, you know, I put it in the drawer, leave it for the next time that I need to journal. But once it's out of my head, it's it's fine. Um, so I don't need to keep keep thinking about it or keep going over things. And that's like crashes or if um, I'm pretty guilty, like if um, uh, people are quite negative towards me, we don't really like criticism that doesn't have an end goal um so yeah I'm pretty guilty if um if people uh, say nasty things to me um you know comments on the internet I read all of them so um yeah things like that I'll just write it down and then I don't have to think about it again so that works for me I love it and I love your honesty hmm. we do don't we we dwell on things and people are so cruel yeah certainly on social media probably more so than in person but People seem to have the innate ability to want to destroy or put the people down, maybe to build themselves up or make themselves feel better, but it, it's such a terrible plight on yeah. society today. So I think you have a beautiful message there. Stay strong. Do whatever it is that will help you as an individual yeah. to forget, to ignore, to focus on the important, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditating whether it's taking time out or thinking of the positives whatever it is talking to someone is really hugely important whatever it is do it whenever you need and people will be there for you they want to be there for you. never think that you're not important enough or you're wasting people's time you have uh, i can tell you in hr you have a lot of foresight and insight and Part of that, I think, will come from your training, your study, but a lot of it and most of it is in your heart and it makes you a very special person. So I hope people will not only listen to this podcast but will re-listen because there are so many insights that you've provided us with so far that are invaluable and very, very helpful. So thank you for that. No, thank you. You were selected as a finalist, as uh, I mentioned, in the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards for not only your significant achievements in motorsport, but for being a shining light and role model, as I've just mentioned, for young women in the sport, but also giving back to the sport and to the community. It must have been a real thrill to have been nominated, but in particular then to go on to the finals. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, I was I was pretty overwhelmed that I even made it into the the top four. And reading the bios of the other other finalists there, it's just exceptional to know that motorsports also on this on the same level. Um, and I think that's what made it really special for me. Um, knowing that you know there there are so many other young racers out there, in particular in juniors or young kids considering a career in motorsport. But them knowing that actually, no, it is getting recognition on this kind of level, that this is a, a really good pathway um, to, to jump into. And even, you know, if it's just a hobby or if it's something that you can make a full-blown career out of um, and not just the driving side of things, you know, the mechanics and um, uh, like the electronical side of things too. Um, yeah, it's just awesome to be able to um, have their support as I'm in something like this. Yeah, you're probably not aware, but judging goes over the period of a whole month. It's wow. very in-depth. And the judges, there's a, 
a quite a large panel of around 10, and they spend a lot of time delving deep into the nominations, but also into the person and trying to understand the value of the human. And we're really thankful to Surge Fitness for sponsoring the Sports Award because we do get to acknowledge people like yourself that are having a go, that are really committed, it's, that are probably wholesome, rounded, holistic in terms of their approach and your community and career also factored into that as well as your significant achievements in motorsport. So all of that factors in. And as I say, say, the judging goes over the period of a month and we finally meet together at Pan Pacific in Perth, of course, where we held our event to do that full day of final judging. So I love it. I love the experience of people coming together. Also, good community people coming together. To, and it's a hard job trying to narrow it down to oh, three I could people. imagine. <laughs> so, so tough. I chair the panel. Fortunately, I don't vote because it would be gut-wrenching. Now, is there anything in particular that stands out in your mind about that awards night held last May or May gone? I think for me, um, oh, a really special moment was just meeting the other finalists in the Sport Award and being able to congratulate them on their achievements. And uh, to me, it was like this really nice bonding moment that we're all in these different divisions well, or different disciplines, but we're all really appreciative of the success that we've had individually. So that was so nice. And just hearing about the amazing things that these young people are doing in WA, I was saying to the people at my table, like, it just, it fills my heart. Like, my heart was so, so happy because, yeah, there's all these really talented people chasing after their dreams and it, it inspires you further. I know um, I made some notes after that thinking, you know, I don't want to let this feeling go. I was just feeling so inspired and so happy that we've got so many young people chasing their dreams and, and you know, absolutely kicking goals. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, it is inspiring. I get the joy and the privilege of travelling across the country to be a part of the judging but also a part of the awards night and watching all of the inspirational young people. And for the judges, you're judging a nomination but to then have the privilege of seeing these young people in person is really inspiring. And you're right, there are so many young people doing inspiring things and sometimes we hear too often about the negatives yeah. but there are a lot of people doing amazing stuff and we know our future is in good hands across a broad range of disciplines as you said and the seven news young achiever award nominations are opening across the country and if anybody would like to find out how to nominate someone or about sponsor partnership opportunities head to awardsaustralia.com for more information about your state program. You also recently received the Shona Joy Sports Mentoring Scholarship through Women's Sport Australia and a General Sports Scholarship from UWA. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so I was really, really um, lucky to, to get that Shona Joy Scholarship. Um, so through that, it's it's basically about um, mentoring us to, to follow yeah, what, what we want to do. And for me, um, my end goal would be to to end up making racing my full-time career um, and helping 
um, yeah, the next generation of races come through. So for me, it's more the training aspects um, away from the racetrack. So sort of the media and marketing side is, is what I really want to be helping the next generation because that's that's your edge at the moment um, in the sport. Talent can only take you so far. You need to, um, yeah, be making sure your car's well presented, that you're talking neatly, that, yeah, you're, you're maintaining connections. So LinkedIn such a big tool. So through the mentoring program, we, we actually did the workshop not too long ago and that provided some really great insights. And it was awesome, again, hearing from so many other people chasing their goals in different sports as well. So, yeah, I'm excited for the next step, which is being partnered with a mentor and, and then them helping us through through that journey together. And That's yeah, great. UWA, so that was um, that was while I was still a student there, um, while I was doing my law and psychology degree. And um, yeah, I, I was overjoyed to have picked up a sports scholarship um, for uni. That, again, was something that I didn't expect um, motorsport to be recognised at that level. So I think I was the first motorsport scholarship at UWA. So again, I, I was absolutely over the moon. And um, yeah, that's something I hold really quite dear. You're also an ambassador for the Miracle Babies Foundation, largely because you were born nine weeks premature. Wow, you are uh, just inspiring. There's never a dull moment with you. you. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about the foundation. Yeah, so Miracle Babies Foundation is Australia's leading foundation supporting sick and premature newborns. And um, I reached out to them quite a few years ago because I obviously get the question of, you know, you're so little, like, why are you so little? And so it was really great to be able to to partner with someone like Miracle Babies and say, oh, it's actually because I was born nine weeks premature and this this is an outcome of that. And then being able to direct them to the foundation so that they can read more about it or even consider donating to them. So um, that's been really something that I've enjoyed is, is spreading more awareness about it because I feel like most people know someone or are um, a premature birth and it is really quite traumatic. Like I've heard um, through friends and also my parents as well of my own birth, just sort of, you know, having a, a baby is a tough time in itself. And then sort of the the angst of, hold on, is this actually going to, is this going to be okay in the end? Um, and whether that's, yeah, your baby spending time in the neonatal ward or having to switch to like an emergency cesarean or uh, born unwell are all things you don't quite factor into into the journey. So Miracle Babies Foundation support parents through that uh, difficult time and then post-hospital uh, as well. So they have what's called nurture groups for other um, parents and their um, Miracle Babies. And um, it's a great way for other Prem Babies to, to hang out together. It's a really, um, uh, really great environment. I've been to a, a couple to see how they work. And, um, yeah, the, the hosts of them are, are so lovely. And so, yeah, if you do have a a prem baby and a sort of after the extra support of others that have been through the same situation or very similar I, I can't recommend it enough um I know it'll be something that I use when time comes for me to have a, a future bubba um but yeah I, I just love the work that I'm able to do with them and to um and to show that yeah it's not it's not a I guess a weakness or anything like that being born so early I like to think that it's just too eager to explore the world and um yeah that's that's what we're all here Little miracle babies. Miracle baby, indeed. I know your family must be very proud of you, as are all those who surround you. Laura, what's uh, 
what's something that we might not know about you? Um, I'm very good at hula hooping. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a very important thing to be able to be good at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not really sure. That's probably the big thing. But I, I think a lot of people think my full-time job is race cars. So uh, it isn't. I have a I have a full-time job on the side and then pretty much full-time race cars after that, after hours. Yeah, so that, that keeps me busy and, and keeps me going. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I love what I what I get to do. Fantastic. What other interests or hobbies do you have other than driving uh, super fast race cars full-time? <laughs> On your part-time job? Uh, so I definitely have been bitten by the adrenaline bug. So I've got a couple of motorbikes. I like motorbike riding. So I try and do that whenever I get a spare moment. Um, but also I really like um, reading and singing as well. So there's um, I've got a couple little videos of me singing up, um, but I, I wouldn't ever do it publicly. I just um, like sharing little snippets Um also sewing, I like I like sewing as well. So I'm not I'm not all adrenaline sports. There's a there's a soft humble side to me. <laughs> I think there's a lot of humbleness about you. Um, <laughs> I I just can't quite picture that last one: sewing and racing super fast cars. <laughs> you know, uh, and I think you know you, you get away from the track, and then you get on your bike and you start going fast too but then you throw in sewing as well yeah <laughs> that, that's your quiet time is it yeah yeah it's it's nice like making things yeah it's cool It'd be a good way to relax a bit too i imagine mm. yeah sounds like you need a little bit of relaxing in there somewhere <laughs> excuse my pun again but what are the driving passions that makes you tick I always just like being challenged. So for me, every time you go onto a racetrack, you're challenging yourself. And, um, you know, even though there might be 30-odd cars out there, biggest competition is yourself and being better than the person that you were yesterday. But for me, the driving force behind, pun intended, um, a lot of what I do is just the next generation because when I started, I, I was that kid on the sidelines watching the other cars race and there were a couple girls racing then and I just, I thought these these are these this is amazing. Like I, I want to do that. I want to be able to do what they do. So for me, it's, it's being that role model for that next generation as well because um, I know what it's like when you go up to a race car driver and ask them for their autograph or a poster and things like that. So I try and be as welcoming as I can. Um, you know, I let people sit in my car as well. Um, obviously, you have to be, there's a height limit. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that for me, I think, um, like you said, there's only one winner in these races and it's, it's not always going to be you. Um, so for me... I'm just going to be happy if I can get more people into the sport, into racing, um, and more more women as well. Um, that's that's what makes me tick. That's what makes me happy. So, yeah. Fantastic. Now, our listeners can't see this, but a little word of advice for you from me. You're going to need a bigger trophy shelf. Because <laughs> I think you've run out of room on that one yeah, behind you. I actually have. They're trophies. on the floor. <laughs> There are a few glittering, quite large trophies there, which uh, I'm sure you're very proud of. Do you have, you've given us a lot, but do you have any other words of wisdom for our listeners? 
I think the biggest thing, and I, I, I'm using it as my my motto now, but stay fearless. And that's got quite a, a few layers to it. Um, you know, it's easy to think stay fearless, you know, if you've got a, a big tiger looking at you or something like that. But it's the little things as well. Um, you know, I, I actually have um, anxiety. And so for me, sometimes it's the little things, you know, whether that's, trying something you haven't done that that might not seem like a big deal for anyone else that it's but it's a big deal for you so um staying fearless even for the little things whether that's you know finally getting on top of the dishes that are piled up in your sink or whether that's trying something new and, and trying motorsport um yeah staying fearless has so many aspects to it and I think that's the biggest thing it means something different for all of us and keep doing you 100 percent sounds good and sometimes, you know, if we are fearless with our fears or our anxieties, we can overcome them. Yeah. And we think, why didn't I just try to do that before? Take it on. Yeah. But we, we, I think we don't remain fearless. And I'm not saying that we can overcome everything because we can't. Yeah. But there are probably things that we could if we really believed in ourselves and trusted in the process yeah. that uh, we put in our mind. I think as well as a as a race car driver, um, you know, mentioned before, we we do get nervous before we go out on the track. Sometimes we're strapped into our car, ready to go, but you might have to sit there for for half an hour or so. And for me, um, that literally is sitting with with fear um I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't scared sometimes when I go out racing because I am I don't know you know if my car's gonna do something that it shouldn't I've been in fireballs and rollovers before so you never know what's gonna happen um but yeah it's sitting with that fear understanding it understanding its motive you know is this a driving force is this gonna make me you know be better or is this something that I need to address a little bit um deeper down I think is um the important things to to think of when you're sitting with that fear so for me it's a driving force before I'm um going out onto the track and um it fuels that adrenaline and that little fire in my belly so um yeah it keeps me going where can our listeners connect with you because you are extraordinary and you would be a great motivator to many how do people connect so I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Our team page is Red Shamrock Racing. Otherwise, um, I'm also on there as Laura Burns Motorsport. Um, so on my page, I share a lot more of the behind-the-scenes stuff and things that I get up to in the shed. Also a bit of mucking around in the shed. So <laughs> um, you generally catch me dancing um, on there as well, plus fixing um, fixing heavy machinery. Sounds worth connecting to uh, go behind the scenes and see that dancing. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> But, Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. You're an absolute inspiration, and I think you add value to so many people in terms of going for your dreams, being fearless, giving it a shot. So thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us today. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast as well. Oh, I really have. Thank you so much. And I think too, you know, if you um if you have any questions about what I've said today, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you know, particularly as well if you're thinking of jumping into motorsport, I can definitely um steer you in the right direction. Another motorsport pun. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you so much. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, I think there, and you mentioned before that you listen or you read every 
comment. So if anybody has any questions or wants to let Laura know that they think she's amazing, like we do, then <laughs> please, please do. I'm sure she'd really appreciate it. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed hearing Laura's today as much as I have. And remember, until next week, please be kind and together we make a difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.